Why does God punish us sometimes? <laughs> well, sometimes. Uh, you know, and there's a difference between punish and discipline. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's a good, good question. Text, we'll get we to see that here. God say, Here's a, I'm going to punish you. Okay. And we're going to talk about that. Why does God punish? You are listening to Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And uh, you want to get started? A lot, yeah. of, a lot of verses. So we, we, but verses. We're, we're we finish after up today, Leviticus one more tomorrow. chapter. Yeah. Tomorrow's the last yeah. day of it, Leviticus. And I know you're going to miss it so bad. So we're going to go through it a second time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, we'll be getting into Colossians then. Leviticus so. chapter 26, verse 1. All right. God says this. He says, do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculpt stones, sculptured stones in your land. So you may worship them. I'm the Lord, your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I'm the Lord. You know, I've had, I've had people quote that at me, show reverence from my sanctuary with wearing hats in church. <laughs> He's not talking about church there. He's talking about the temple. Yeah. Uh, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will I will send you seasonal rains. The land will yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land. You'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will ch- you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I will look favorably, favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you. You'll have such a surplus of crops that you will need a, you will need to clear out the, the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I'm the Lord, your God, you brought who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you would walk with your heads held high. And he just reiterates there how much he loves them and how he wants to give them a good life. God wants good for us, not evil. And a lot of what the promise that we have here is the natural results of living according to his principles because yeah. I think we forget that he's the one that made this world, knows how it works better than we could ever be able to figure that out. And so when we live according to his principles, there is a natural blessing that comes out of it. Yeah. But also there's there's the blessing of walking beside him. That's our purpose. That's yeah. why we were created. And, and so he says, I am going to give you joy and I will allow you not just to survive, but to thrive. Well, I love verse 12. He says, I will walk among you. Yeah. I will be your God and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a father that is. That's mm-hmm. his heart. But now he kind of switches things here. Yeah. So he starts out with like this beautiful, he's painting vision for us, for his people. But now he's going to give the other side of this. Verse 14, however, if you do not listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I'll bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will, you will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even when no one is chasing you. I think it's important for us to remember that when we reject God, we are rejecting the goodness that flows from God. Yeah. And that again is the natural result of rebellion. Yeah. Well, even just that last bit of verse 17 says, you will run even when no one is chasing you. Mm. So if you are a runner, just know, probably means you are disobeying God's commands. Oh, boy. 
Uh, isn't your wife a runner? <laughs> yes, she is. I hate running. Verse 18 says, and if in spite of all this, you still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over for your sins. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing and your land will yield no crops and your trees will bear no fruit. If even you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me, I will, infl- I will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. I will send wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. That, I mean, here's the thing is like the first part of this chapter is beautiful, mm-hmm. but now it's like, yikes. Yeah. Why, why does God punish? Well, I, I do think again that this is, he's laying this out here, this contrast that this is what life is like with me. This is what life is like without me. And the absence of God is the absence of good. We reject God. We are rejecting his goodness. And so, of course, not only is he not under obligation to give us any blessing, but why would he do that? Why would he give us incentive to continue to live our lives apart from him in rebellion against him and to not be able to fulfill our purpose for why we were created? So that incentive of goodness for walking with him is taken away. And instead, this is what's left over when the goodness is taken away. Well, I really do believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really do believe that God always does what's best for our relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's grace, but a lot of times it's also punishment. of like, I need you to to face this because this is going to be better for us in the long run. Right, yeah. You want to take it to verse 23? Sure. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you. I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there and you will be handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supplies so that 10 women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. They will ration your food by weight and though you have no food to eat, you will not, even though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. So even even when good things happen to you and you have good things, it still does not produce any satisfaction because that's not why we were created. In spite of all this, if you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, Then I will give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. Then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. Because that's actually what happened for those that involve themselves in pagan worship is, uh, I mean, such barbarism that they practice that he was in, 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 as an aspect of their religious observances. So I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings. That should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land, and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate, and your cities will lie in ruins." Then at last, the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. As long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every seven year, a seventh year while you lived in it because they had rejected the law. And part of that law was the the sabbatical for the land or yeah. the Sabbath for the land every seven years. I was actually talking, I have a friend in who was an organic farmer and he was talking about how it's best for the land every seven years. Like funny you mention yeah. that because that's all throughout the Old Testament. <laughs> that's in the scripture, yeah. 
All right, verse 36. And for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies, and you will live in fear that the sound of the leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You'll run as though fleeing from a sword, and you will fall even when no one pursues you. Though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. You will die among the four nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last the people will pay for their sins. They will have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. So goes chapter 26 of Leviticus. Yep, we got one more chapter left. We'll do that That's tomorrow right. and uh, then get into Colossians. But we're also looking at Psalms and Psalm 90 and 91 were the Psalms for today. And uh, some great words here. In Psalm 91, if you look at verse four, it says, he will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. You know, so not only is there that threat when there's disobedience or rebellion against him, but there is that constant promise that when we walk with him, he refers to us as being in the shelter of his wings. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Mm. And that's by walking in the shelter of his wings. That's right. All right. Well, today's national day. It's actually interesting, Dad. You're wearing a turtleneck, so I'm wondering if you've already celebrated today's national day, because today is National Hickey Day. Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't know if I want to think about that with you and mom. Um, (laughs) It's actually also, I don't know how this works. It's also National Family Day. So I don't know if it's like one leads to another, maybe. (laughs) That's how it works. Boy. Let's go with the National Family Day. There you go. We got a number of families that are, uh, they they do this for their family devotions. Yeah, now I have another question to ask. Now they're asking, why why would Pastor Scott be wearing a turtleneck? (laughs) Which, incidentally, I do not have a turtleneck on. You do not. Uh, he's, he's making up you lies. You just your collar. That's what you did. <laughs> no, it is National Family Day. Family is precious. Spend that time with family today. Yeah. And we'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.